In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I wanted to um, preach this sermon from our new pavilion. Unfortunately, somebody is mowing their lawn, um, and you would be able to hear that, so it wasn't going to be very exciting. So maybe um, next week we'll have a sermon from the new pavilion. Um, we pick up where we left off last week, sort of. Last week we were in um, Mark's gospel leading into the feeding of the 5,000. And this week we are in John's gospel in the feeding of the 5,000. And there's a little bit difference, um, not the least because of John's gospel really is, is describing sort of who Jesus is um, and, and making a case for who this person is leading up to there's many other there's many other stories told about Jesus after his resurrection, um, and and but these have been said so that you may you may believe and and follow, and and so John's gospel is is leading. Um, we've had uh, Nicodemus, and we've had the the wedding at Canaan, Galilee, and you've had the woman at the well where Jesus says, "If you want living water." I'm the one who's going to give it to you. Are you the Messiah, the Christ? Right, I am. Um, and the healing of the man by the pool of Bethsaida. And, and so now we have Jesus here. And in this passage in, in John's gospel, um, takes a different twist. Remember last week in Mark's gospel, and the disciples did everything, right? You give them something to eat, Jesus says. You give them something to eat when they came to complain that they were in a desolate place. And really, they were just complaining that they wanted some alone time with Jesus, right? And um, you give them something to eat. And the disciples sat them in fifties and hundreds. And the disciples distributed the bread. And the disciples picked up all the basketfuls. And the disciples um, did all of this stuff with Jesus, um, blessing, but there's a demonstration of the, the participation of, of the church, of the disciples, to contribute to the compassion of, of, of what it is to be in the kingdom of God, the compassion of Jesus, and, and, and the, really the characteristic of, of the kingdom of God being um, that movement where, which feeds, which heals, which really becomes an an agency for those sheep without a shepherd. We're we're called to help Jesus to be shepherds, right? To 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 bring people along. And um, unlike the kingdom of Herod, um, which uh, feasts and uh, kills prophets and um, serve as this this lavish one you know the one percenters of, of herod who's supposed to be the king here's the true king um jesus the king bring forth a new kingdom and so this is mark's gospel and, and we sort of missed it last week we touched on it but john's gospel brings us something entirely different because in john's gospel jesus is the one who feeds right jesus is the one who distributes and and this is um a good comparison in John's gospel is to the Last Supper in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's the Last Supper before Jesus dies. He goes with his disciples and they share that last meal before he, he goes out. 
in, in John's gospel, well, there is that, that last time they were together where he washes the feet and he gives the, the last discourse. Um, there's no last supper. And, and really, this feeding of the 5,000 is meant to be that. And, and over the next four weeks, um, we'll have that, that um, great summer bread of life uh, series of, of really seeing Jesus as, as the bread of life, as the one whom, who feeds us, who nourishes us, who cares for us, who apart from him we have no life. And so um, we'll be looking at that in the coming weeks. But, but today's passage of the feeding of the 5,000, sort of piggybacking on last week, is Jesus caring for, for these people, Jesus feeding these people, Jesus um, giving them barley loaves, which um, that that little that little nugget is is representative of um, the passage where Elisha um, multiplies food for for the people of Israel with barley loaves. Um, there's there's a series of of miracles of uh, that Elisha performs um, in in Second Kings and and the final one is feeding people with barley loaves um, of uh, similar to, to Jesus. Jesus is um, walking in those steps, which is the, uh, one of the signs that, that John is demonstrating, that Jesus is, is continuing that prophetic ministry, but he's taking it to the next level. He is the one. He is the word made flesh. He's the one that God has sent to the world to bring new life. Um, he is the bread of life. And so um, after he's distributed, they gathered him up and, and they had 12 baskets just like just like they did. And, and then when Jesus realized that they were going to come to take him by force to make him king, he withdrew by himself to a mountain. And <clears throat> so something happened something interesting happens in this passage um, that's different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which is in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, Jesus withdraws from the disciples by himself to, to go pray. And this, he's, this, Jesus sends the disciples into a boat and he, a storm comes up and, and Jesus begins to walk to them, right? Um, and he, but Jesus sees them, and everything is from the point of view of of Jesus. Um, in John's gospel, it's it's different. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they are terrified. But he said to them, "It is I. Do not be afraid." They wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land where they were there going. And so we have in John's gospel um, this 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 scene where people um, want to because because Jesus has done this sign, 
because they've been fed, because they've been nourished, want to immediately come and make him king, take him by force to make him king. And we'll see more about this in, in the coming weeks. Um, and Jesus withdraws before that can happen. The disciples are they're sort of left there, right, stranded. You know, Jesus had not yet come to them. It was dark, and Jesus isn't back. So what do we do? Right, and this is this is all of a sudden a different viewpoint, a different vantage point, um, not from Jesus' vantage point in the, in the in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what we call the Synoptic Gospels, where Jesus is looking down at them, and things are from Jesus' vantage point. This is from the disciples' vantage point. In many ways, it's from our vantage point, right? What happens? when we feel that Jesus isn't with us? What happens when we're waiting and darkness comes over us and Jesus isn't there? Jesus isn't back yet. How do we respond? And I think there's there's a couple lessons um, for us in this, the first is the first is um, understanding that Jesus obviously is coming. He's going to come to us, just like he does here. He he always does. This is his promise. I will abide in you. You will abide in me. Um, but also, there's there's an an instance where the disciples are sort of separated. They're, they're, not, they're not the crowd who wants to come by Jesus, who wants to come and take Jesus and make him king. And they're not Jesus, obviously, um, but, but they're over here. And in some ways, this is where we are, right? This is, this is the same point. How do we react? We know how the crowd reacts. The crowd has gotten their fill. And they want to make him king. Does the crowd want Jesus or do they want their fill? Do they want the Jesus that we're going to hear about in the coming weeks who, who challenges, who pushes, who calls us to new heights, who gives us authority to go out and to proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand? invites us to love one another as he loves us? Do we want this Jesus? Do we want to embrace the reality of the word made flesh who's come to bring new life into the world? Or do we want to fit Jesus into our own little box, into our needs, do we want to come make Jesus sort of bring him along into, into our ideas, into our life, into our ministry even, right? I mean, this is always a danger um, in the church, I think, because there's lots of good, right, that we can do in the church. And there's, there's lots of holy things, and there's lots of justice things, and there's lots of... Um, outreach things and there's because there's so much injustice because there's so much 
poverty and there's so much distortion of the good in the world versus the evil in the world and there's so much that that we can look at and see this is not right um that oftentimes we just go and start doing something and then try to drag Jesus along with us instead of being prayerful about what it is that Jesus wants us to do. That what, how is Jesus coming into this situation? Do we want Jesus or do we want our fill? And sometimes our fill is is the is being fed bread but sometimes our fill is is sort of a spiritual high right we want more of of the spirit of god we want more of of this feeling that we do good works we want more of this feeling that the church is is successful we want more of this feeling that people say i hear great things about saint matthias right i mean all those things are good, but they're 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 not good if if we're not seeking Jesus first. And it sort of leads us to the passage from Ephesians, right? Because the passage from Ephesians really talks to us about about the ways in which we ensure this is possible, and um, it's through prayer. It's through prayer. And it's through praise, and it's through centering ourselves on on God through the Holy Spirit and in, in Jesus. And you know, Paul begins to talk more and more and more about about the mystery of Christ and the way the mystery of Christ has made made manifest, and how he's a servant of the gospel that's available to all people, and um, and we have access to God. And we can bold in boldness and in confidence through faith in him, pray that we can come um, completely with faith into the presence of God. And he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened by your inner being with the power through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is, this is a deep and powerful prayer, right? Where we're rooted in the love of Christ, where we're rooted in the knowledge of God. We're grounded in love that we have wisdom, that we have strength to live for the, for the glory and grace and power of God in our lives. Going back to, to what I said about doing works of, of justice and outreach and compassion in our communities and through our church, um, and in our lives, daily lives, personally and, and corporately, um, these are things, again, that we are indeed called to so long as we're grounded in love, rooted in Christ, filled with the knowledge and wisdom that this 
is who we're seeking, that, that we're doing these things not for our benefit. We're not feeding the multitudes because we want a pat on the back and we're happy that you know we can feed some, some hungry people. We feed the multitudes because this is Jesus' invitation and call. This is what Jesus would have us do. This is Jesus demonstrating us. And, and Jesus is so core a part of our life that we can't help but to be imitators of Christ in the lives of those who we encounter. This is, this is a, it's, it's a tricky thing, right? It's a balancing act. Because it takes prayer, I know. I know for me, um, I, I remember. I remember hearing this or, or reading it. I think maybe actually both. Honestly, um, I read it in a book, and then a, then a, then a preacher preached on it. How um, that that sort of you, you can go through seasons where you can you have the capabilities to do. Good stuff, right? I, I can preach. Um, and for a time, I can preach well enough on my own um, that, that it's still sort of acceptable, right? Without, without prayer, without God. Um, but it soon becomes, it becomes flat, it becomes empty. The, the well runs dry. And it takes the spirit of God. It takes prayer. It takes praise. It takes, it takes the spirit in order to lift that up. Um, because the words that that preachers are called to deliver aren't the words of of even just eloquence. Aren't the words of just wisdom of the Bible? Isn't just teaching. It's it's meant to be the word of God. The word of God that that when it reaches you, um, may transform. May may just burst within you. I've had plenty of people come up to me after a sermon and say, I, "Father, I loved when you said this." Scott, I loved when you said. This, it was so meaningful. Um, and especially if it happens a few days later. I loved when you said this. It's so, and there's times where I go, I didn't say that. Right, because when, when we hear something, sometimes God takes it and, and molds whatever it is that we're going through and, and utilizes it. And this is, this is allowing Jesus to fill you rather than you getting your fill of things that aren't Jesus. It's allowing Jesus to permeate your very being. And we do this through prayer. We do this through praise. This is a vital component that oftentimes the church misses, the church loses, the church doesn't spend enough time in prayer and intercession. And I think, you know, this is one of the things that I think we've we've lost a little bit during this pandemic. We've had some prayer services, we've tried to do things online, but but the one thing that's difficult to do corporately, especially is to to be in silence, to be in prayer. 
right? Nobody wants to sit on Zoom for an hour in silence, looking at a bunch of other pictures. But we need to, to be that prayerful parish, that prayerful person, that prayerful people where we seek to be grounded and rooted in the love of Christ, that that may permeate our very being. For this is the call. And, and I just want to close with um, one of the graces um, or benedictions of, of morning prayer, um, which, which is, our, is our final verse. Those of you who, who do morning prayer regularly, oftentimes it's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of this Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. But what the third option is, now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus from generation to generation forever and ever. Amen. And that's a powerful prayer. It's a powerful closing. And I'm just going to pray it again one more time and then stop. To him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.